Good morning, everyone. We have a very special guest. Today, specifically, we will talk about data and data in uh, contracts and maybe a few other things uh, because she's a woman of multiple talents. I'll let Julie introduce herself. I'm Julie Honor. I am currently the general counsel at 3Q Digital. We're a performance marketing agency and a growth marketing agency. Um, I have been at 3Q for about a year and a half, uh, building out the legal fun function from the ground up. Something I love doing, getting into companies and helping build out what does that look like? How can we help as a legal partner with our internal client? I also have a litigation background and a, I actually left the law for a while and was a change management consultant, which has been a really influential um, step in my career throughout uh, my in-house profession. I know you, you, you just won an award. Um Tell us more about it. I'm one of three um, honorees to receive the Outstanding Mother Award um, for the Midwest Division of the American Lung Association, which is a very humbling award to be receiving something that like Chelsea Clinton and Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kopi have received. It's pretty humbling to be in a group of such amazing women. So it's two other honorees and myself um, for the Chicago area that uh, recognizes um, successful working moms and finding that balance between working and parenting and giving back to the community. So excited to have that on the horizon with the ceremony coming up in early May. Oh, really cool. Outstanding Mother Award. What is your number one tip uh, uh, to, um, to balance and um, being uh, and I'll sending mother. Be easy on yourself and lower your expectations. Chicken nuggets are totally acceptable meals. So <laughs> I think that's just live in the moment and be be easy on yourself. It's it's hard to do everything at once. Um, but it's it's a fun process and a fun experience to watch my two kids be growing up while keeping my career advancing as well. Yeah, they certainly add quite a lot to it um, and uh, challenge challenge me um, every yeah. day. And I think you've probably met mine who have like randomly bounced into presentations we've been having as we've been through this pandemic experience of kids' daycare closures and stuff. So you've, it's been a funny experience having them pop in and out of conferences. <laughs> I, they, my, mine have co-CEO'd with me, so um, it's, it's, it's been a ride. Let's talk about data, specifically in your journey as a general counsel. What, what's your relationship with, with data and maybe how it has evolved over time? I honestly think I got lucky with where my first true in-house position landed. I was at a, another digital marketing agency, and it was a very data-driven company. And from the first day as my role as a GC, I really learned the value of being able to tell a story through data because my business teams that I worked for only thought in a data-minded way. So they didn't care if I came to them with legal terms like indemnification is a problem or these warranties we need to worry about. I had to figure out how can I communicate with my business partners in a way that they get it and will listen to me. Um, and it really... I found data was the essential thing I needed to do to be able to communicate. How can I find the data points to show them the value, show them the risk? Um, so it, from day one, it's been a valuable part of my career as a GC. Is there a specific problem that data has been instrumental in having conversations with your peers um, in your board? Yeah, I think from a, a selfish standpoint, um, the data became incredibly important. The the day my bandwidth was disappearing. I needed to be able to build a business case on how to build my team. 
And what better way than to leverage data <laughs> to help them understand why I, as a solo in one person in-house department, what I could and couldn't do. And I use data for that. So that was really helpful to show like the volume of work, the number of turns that was needed on each contract, the amount of time it was taking to do various documents that were coming in. So that was one specific problem that really grew my relationship there uh, with data. And I think just generally um, being able to show the value that a legal department brings is so often reviewed as a cost center. And I really, I really believe that we have the ability to grow revenue and speed up the recognition of revenue coming in the door by making our contract process more efficient and faster. And so always living with those data points has been something that I really focus on and our board likes to see too. It sounds like the way you use data actually has changed throughout your career. Initially, it sounded uh, you used it to actually kind of sort of increase your presence to have a, a higher headcount. And over time, um, you used it uh, to actually contribute to the business. I guess maybe it, it would be helpful to have another um, example of how that progression uh, has been occurring and, and, and how your relationship with data has been changing. Yeah, you know, as I grow relationships with each of my internal clients, which are like leads of different departments, questions and data needs vary. So for example, if I'm working with our head of product, I can pull data on our contracts to see what are the service lines or products that are included most frequently in our contracts and which ones aren't. And then we can dig in and say, is there a, why is that so, right? Is there a reason that we're only selling certain things and not selling other things? But the contract data helps us to really identify potential issues that aren't as easy to see. Um, Whereas in another example, I might be talking with our um, sales team to figure out what is the average amount of time it takes for a contract to go from beginning to the end stage. And are, are there ways that we can optimize the process or look for people who maybe are a little bit slower in their review cycle? Maybe there's an issue that we can streamline that process to make it more efficient by using the data that's within our contract management platforms um, to close contracts faster. Does the tenor and kind of conversation around data differ between what you have with your peers, the executive, the CEO versus the board? Very much so. I mean, the the board is so focused on what is driving our business and what value are we bringing to the company and what direction is the company going in. So I think a lot of the data that we pull for my peers at the, the C-suite level ends up getting um, informing what we present to the board. I would say very rarely is there a, a ton of legal data points that go up to the board, but it informs almost all of the points that are going to the board. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe I'll take I'll take a step back because um, at some point you have to make a decision what data you collect. Yes. Uh, and at some point you have to make a decision once you have the data, the story you tell. So I'll talk about I'll talk a little bit about how we collect, and then we'll talk about words versus uh, versus numbers, which yes. is one important. <laughs> so how 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 do you decide which data points to collect? I think the important thing is to always start out with what questions do you want to be able to answer? Because if you don't know what questions you're trying to answer, it's hard to figure out what data points you need. I've historically worked with companies that are very driven on the speed to closing a deal. And so for those type of 
questions to be layered, like how fast does it take? Why does it take so long? What departments does it get stuck in? You need to have a lot of data points that focus on like where a document moves in a system and where it might get stuck or how long it sits on somebody's plate. Whereas I've I've also worked at um, a larger larger publicly traded company that was more focused on what does our like looking back at the contracts, what does our risk profile look like, and how are we trending for what we're agreeing to in various. Um, provisions like how does our agreements on indemnification, are we maintaining the risk level? Are we taking on increased risk? Um, and those are very different questions that require different data points and being able to track different data points. So I think the first thing is really important of what questions do you want to answer in order to figure out what data points do you need to be tracking? Do you find that when you track you know, the speed of uh, the acceleration of the deal through, through various stakeholders, do you find that by making it transparent and visible, that in itself increases the speed with which it moves? Absolutely. It, it, it's really amazing to see how quickly a problem reveals itself and how often the person who is at the root of that problem will self-select and say, hey, wait, I'm taking a lot longer. Can you help me get additional resources to do this? So it, it definitely, um, the data really pulls the story together pretty visually and pretty quickly. I, I remember as a general counsel, I went through the exercise uh, to measure time, how long I spend uh, doing various provisions. And then actually I had historical data to see when and where we have conflicts mm -hmm. uh, or issues arise. And what was really, uh, to me, overwhelming is how much time I spend on things that do not matter. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, um, in, it sounds like you've gone through the retrospective, right? Not prospective, but retrospective of actually um, thinking, uh, w was this worth negotiating for two weeks or two months right. or two years? Um, do you have examples uh, of, uh, of the conclusions you made and, um, and how it kind of changed with the, what data you collect or how you think about the process? Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the most helpful examples I can think of is when I first joined 3Q, I asked for copies of all of the recent red lines from the previous year for the template they had been using. And I went through and I looked at that data to see what are the provisions that are frequently being fought over and where do we end up at the end as an end result most frequently. And then I said to myself, how can I make this a better experience for everybody? And we revised our templates based on doing that historical data analysis of what what do we fight over? Where did we land? And would we have been fine just starting with where we landed in the long term? And so that's just an example of where taking that retrospective look at data and then saying, let me revise my templates so that we don't waste our time fighting on something that doesn't necessarily help us have a better relationship. Um, and that was really helpful. So in, in revising, so I've done that too at some point. I revised my templates and made them closer to the middle uh, where we tend to end up. Mm -hmm. uh, did you find that um, it actually uh, increased speed uh, as opposed, you know, the fear for us when we we're doing it was that if you move a little closer to the middle, then the middle shifts um, right. and, and you just give more. I've had some surprising findings. What findings did you have when you moved closer towards the middle? You know, it's been really surprising how few red lines we end up getting on our paper because we are very, we're very customer friendly 
when we're putting our paper out as a service provider. Um, I have not found that people are pushing us to go even further. And in reality, a lot of I've gotten a lot of comments that come back saying, we just have one slight change, but we were surprised to see how customer friendly your paper felt to us, um, which is the ultimate compliment you can get as a lawyer that they're happy with it. And it's a paper you're happy with for your company's purpose too. Yeah, um, I would have the same thing. Uh, it definitely having fewer things uh, to uh, negotiate and starting with, hey, uh, we used to have a paper that is really extreme and we were hoping to get to the middle. We're starting very close to the middle um, and hoping to decrease how long we spend time together before you become a customer. Um, and that definitely helped uh, the, the timing and the satisfaction and, and really gave customers a much better experience before they even get our services. On that note, before we jump to another thing, I always tell our business teams, you can tell how well the relationship is going to be with a customer based on the legal negotiations. The ones who are really challenging and frustrating to work with in the legal process tend to be the more challenging customers at the end of the day when you're trying to actually service their business. So we actually have um, data points that we communicate to our client service teams of say, here's what our experience was on the legal side. And here's just some heads up of what you can expect. And it's been really interesting to see how that comes true. I want to talk about, you know, we as lawyers spend a lot of time in, you know, with words. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I know that I as a lawyer have perfected um, kindergarten skills, elementary school skills of reading, writing, and arguing. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> this conversation is about numbers and data. Um, you know, which one is more important, do you think, um, in, uh, in practice of law hmm. or business? You know, the more, it would, I think the most interesting thing, and this is not the most succinct answer to your question, but going from being a litigator for eight and a half years to being a change management consultant, I had to transform from living in words to living by numbers overnight. And it was so interesting working with my colleagues at my consulting firm that I worked at, where we we looked at things I had done as a lawyer and we translated it into business results. <laughs> and going through that exercise and then starting to think in the way of business results, even if it's a legal thing that we were doing, was a really helpful exercise because there's, I think words are valuable and data is valuable. And finding the balance between them is just such a fun place to live. So Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I also think there is a, a, a very important skill in using, you know, it's, it's a little bit like asking, you know, is a spoon or a fork better tool? Well, right. you know, sometimes you need a chopstick. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, they're just tools and, 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 and using the right one and correctly um, and sometimes together really helps. And that's where the mastery is. So um, I, I definitely think that the modern general counsel, the modern in-house lawyer, and the modern lawyer uh, should be proficient and, and be able to switch and, and, and do a collage of the two and, and, and to really use everything at her disposal to, to get the results for her business and, and advance the, the company's mission forward. Um, so I, I think this fluency in numbers and then combining it with words is something that I think, you know, I'm, I'm really actually hoping to see that law schools spend more time right. teaching. 
Right. And, and how can you take a dense paragraph and consolidate it down to a succinct featured business result that you obtained through whatever you were trying to describe in the legal paragraph you had written? Um, I think going through that exercise, I, I would say when I work on any slides or any, any communications, I rewrite the paragraph about 30 times to try to condense and condense and condense to say, how simple can I get this? And where can I incorporate any like percent improvement or like numbers saved or dollars earned? Like, where can I add any, any data points that help to translate it more to the business side as well? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Let's talk a little bit about you know, as a general counsel, it's not just you being proficient with numbers and words. It's, it's it's everyone on your team, both in your department and actually kind of a team at large. How do you, you know, as a general counsel who build legal departments and they're very actively thinking about growth, how do you think about data? How do you build your department uh, so that that becomes sort of part of the who you are, the DNA, of, of, of the of, of the legal department and then, you know, company at large? You know, one of my favorite things that I've incorporated into hiring has been an exercise in giving somebody a, a like a, a case study to do, whether it's if it's if I'm hiring for a contract position, I give them a contract to Redline or if I'm hiring like an M&A position, I give them a LOI to respond to. But then I ask, not just for the red line, I ask them to put together a, a deck, a PowerPoint presentation or a Google slide presentation, because I want to see how would they present to the business team, not just to another lawyer. And it's been so interesting at one of my former places um, where I hired a contract attorney, the person I hired was so amazing in the way, not just crushing it on the red line, but she actually could come in and speak to the true business terms and help to distill it out in a way that it made it it translated indemnification to a way that the teams really truly understood, as opposed to people who crush the red line and then they start at, well, paragraph one, sentence one, you were missing these two words and we need to add this punctuation. It's like the business doesn't care about that. You have 15 minutes with a busy executive, tell them what they need to know and get out. Um, and so I think in the interview process, if you can incorporate a way to see how would your potential hire interact with your business teams, that has been some of the most in, enlightening parts of the interview process for me. Wow, that that is actually a great idea. I, I, I admittedly never thought of that. We um, we it's you know now that I'm in the more business role, you know when I hire or say sales, we actually do kind of. Um, you know, pitch and, um, and, and presentations uh, for various members of the team. Um, and that makes sense. Um, as, a, as a lawyer, when I hired folks on my legal team, um, I never done it. And I, um, I guess you really set a tone from the top, uh, from the very beginning, that uh, when you actually ask them to explain this to the business, that uh, what kind of legal position it is, doesn't it? Right. Right. And it's so hard to do that, right? It's a really nuanced skill to be able to sit in a meeting with somebody who is a non-legal mind and talk through indemnification and warranties in a way that they walk away feeling like they not only got it, but they could add valuable input for you to make the right legal decision on what the risk you want to take. Um, it's really hard to do that. And so how can you test that in the interview phase? 
to see how does this person interact with non-legal minds is just such a useful way to make sure you're bringing people on that truly can translate and communicate with your business. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I in early in my career, when I was doing quite a lot of negotiations, my business uh, partners told me that watching me negotiate limit of liability and indemnity and warrant is like uh, watching, you know, me speak fluently Latin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at some point they sort of, um, you know, tune out because they can't even follow it. Um, and then when they can't follow it, they don't understand the value of it. Um, and so right. I think it's, it's, it's a very hard conversation. Uh, and, and, it, um, and, it, and, and it does take quite a lot of skills to, um, to really show value. Uh, and I, so I, I love the, the interviewing and, um, you know, the, um, um, and asking for presentation. Um, uh, so so how, how, the last time you've done it, uh, how long was the presentation that, uh, that, uh, that you received and, and, and what impressed you the most? Um, when I, it's been a while since I've, I've brought somebody on. I, we're pretty efficient and lean at 3Q. But um, the last time I went through hiring cycles of hiring attorneys, I would say I've seen presentations that go from like 45 pages to four pages. Um, and when I went through it myself as part of interviewing, when I joined my first GC role, I did mine in, I think, three pages. I had one thing, one page that said, here's a table of the risks that are the ones that you should care about the most and why we should make these changes and how it impacts us. And then another thing on like, here are the key business terms I want to confirm alignment on. And it's just like, simplify it, make it simple, talk their language. Um, and so the simpler is the better um, is what I always look to evaluate it on. Yeah. Um I find that visuals is one thing that we um, underuse in our contracts. They they really make things a lot simpler and uh, and much more reading friendly. Um, they actually invite the eyes as opposed to turn them off. Um, right. <laughs> let's talk about uh, with data. What if anything uh, could possibly go wrong, and how do you kind of think through that and prepare for it? Um, my favorite example of what could go wrong. Um, I worked at a place um, where they initially tracked um, workload on the number of pages in a document, which cracked me up because I would have some documents that were three pages long, but it was two columns of 7.5 size font <laughs> that if you made it as like a regular document, it would be a 30 page document. But I was getting, quote, credit for three pages. And it's like, well, no, my workload is really intense. Like, and you could have a one page document that has like super intense things that you need. <laughs> and so I think that was a perfect example of like something going wrong about focusing on the wrong type of data or using data inappropriately because we really weren't gauging people's workload, right? Like it just, the number of pages is so meaningless. It, it's really what is in the content on those pages. <laughs> Yeah, this is a great example. I usually joke, you know, measuring the value of a lawyer uh, by hours is kind of like measuring the well, the uh, good wine by the pound. It just makes no sense. But I'm going to add yeah. to my repertoire of measuring contract by number of pages. Is that meaningless? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, so funny. So in that example, uh, did you um, uh, were you able to convince the organization to actually measure something that matters? 
Yeah. So what we ended up transitioning into is saying, all right, we're still going to track page count because some people really like page counts, right? Let's just let them have their thing. But let's look at more valuable things. Let's look at the number of turns. Let's look at the number of red lines that are going into a document. Um, that's really, and let's look at how much time it sits on somebody's plate as opposed to the number of pages of a document that's there. And so when we started really focusing on what are the things that really measure where they're spending their time and how much time they're spending was much more valuable for the organization to then better assess the workload on all the different team members within that department. Any other things that uh, you've seen uh, with data that uh, you know could be done better? You know, one thing that we we loved about um, the Parley Pro platform, we're full disclosure, we're a customer of Parley Pro, um, but we love the quick visuals on the dashboard to be able to see like when contracts are expiring, when contracts are coming up for renewal, because we've been able to, as a legal department, we've been able to help influence the way our customer facing teams interact with our customers to have an ultimate better customer experience, which ultimately benefits our company as a whole. So we can set our settings to say, we want to track everything that's three months out. And then our teams can start having proactive, engaged conversations prompted by the legal department saying, hey, this is coming up for renewal. Let us know, like, does everything still match? Do you need any changes? How do you want to work this um, renewal term? And it's just been really a value add that we can bring as a typically seen cost center, we're helping to add value to our teams and better engage with our clients. Yeah, we find, and thank you for that. Thank you, Julie, for that. Uh, we find that uh, that uh, contracts, they're assets of the organization, um, mm -hmm. and folks have a dysfunctional relationship with them. Um, they may not even know that they exist to govern various adventures in business, um, and if they know that they exist, they don't know what's in them. And if they know what's in them, they have no idea why. Um, and uh, really tracking purposefully data and information um, really helps the business mind information to really prepare for normal business cycles and abnormal mm -hmm. events, you know, like COVID, um, and really stay agile and flexible. And, um, and data is, is a really good way to have the conversation and change for the legal department, you know, just as you said, from being the cost center to being value add to, you know, kind of really proactively be a participant in this uh, building value for the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's always like, how can we add? How can we help? Where can we add value is, is something I ask my teams regularly because I'm, I'm passionate about helping to drive the business forward. One of the things, and, and uh, you know, this has been a great conversation we're about to, uh, and I'll ask you the last question. Um, one of the things that I was considering, but I've never actually implemented, um, while I, you know, went quite out of, you know, one, I was economics major, so I'm pretty good with numbers. Uh, in fact, I probably mm -hmm. had more math and science than most lawyers. Um, and two, and before, before I was economics major, I was... Uh, uh, I was very much in the engineering track. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but one of the things that I've done for myself was to educate myself more about kind of the the, the numbers as they relate to business and, uh, and and financials and really kind of become more proficient. The thing that you kind of, the more of a training that you get in the business school, um, which again, I, I felt so strongly about it. And that's kind of the reason why I was 
uh, teaching financial statements at Berkeley Law. Um, but at some point, as I was progressing in my journey, I was realizing that while I was pretty proficient, uh, most lawyers that I interviewed and hired were not. And so I was very actively thinking, how do I make sure that my department, um, you know, lawyers and other professionals uh, speak the same language of the business, right. which is numbers. Um, I don't know, have you gone through exercise of thinking how um, you bring uh, your legal department along for this journey? Yeah, so I have set up um, trainings with accounting or finance leads in the past to say, just come in and do like accounting 101, finance statement 101, walk us through this. And even for myself, whenever my CEO or whenever my CFO sends over um, our like monthly, like month end close or quarterly report, I go through it. And if I don't understand something about it, I set up time with him to say, help me understand this so I can better get it. Um, and I think it's important to not just, I think so many lawyers get things that are number based and they just throw it out. They're like, okay, this doesn't relate to me. Let me just get rid of it. It's like, well, no, you're receiving it. You're part of the company. Take the time to try to understand it. And if you don't ask questions, because people are asking, you want people to come to you as a lawyer to ask you questions on the legal side of things. I would assume that your finance person wants you to ask them questions on the finance side of things if you don't understand, or your accounting person wants you to ask them accounting related questions that you don't understand. Um, people love talking about areas that they're good at and passionate about. So engage with your colleagues to both teach you and teach your team and set up proactive sessions of like, help us understand where these are and where we can make an impact. You know, it's funny, as lawyers, we do quite a lot of trainings, right? Uh, we, when I was running the legal department, we constantly were doing training for sales and marketing and IT. Uh, but, it, you know, it's amazing how little, you know, training uh, was provided, uh, at least in my department, for uh, my team. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think I, and I think it probably partially was my fault. Uh, I, I, I might not have been humble enough to say, actually, why don't you, you know, um, it's not just us teaching you, but you should be teaching us and practically doing it is, is a great idea. Julie, as I, as I said, this has been fantastic. Thank you for being uh, a, a guest again. I, I always enjoy yeah. our conversations. They're always enlightened and I, um, I always learn quite a lot from you. Thanks so much for having me. I, I always love chatting with you. And one thing I just want to leave as a party note, um, I think it's really important to just truly dive in and understand your business. I think that's the place you can add the most value is when you truly understand what your business is, how you make money, how you work with clients, how you work with partners. I encourage everybody to take the time to truly dive in and understand your business. Um, and that'll help you learn what data is valuable and where you can add more value.